a new episode of Black Future Doctor, a podcast dedicated to showcasing the experiences of Black doctoral students in the UK. My name is Nina, I'm a psychology PhD student at the University of Bath and I'm your host. Today I have with me Adewale Kukoi, who is studying for a medical doctorate at the University of Bristol. Hi Adewale, thank you for being with me today. Hello Nina, I'm glad to be here. First, can you tell me a bit more about yourself and the subject of your doctorate? Yes, of course. So I'm Adewale, as Nina said, and I'm a second year medical student at the University of Bristol. So I'm currently studying the degree medicine, which hopefully in five years time, I graduate as a doctor with. So yeah. Brilliant. When did you first consider pursuing a medical doctorate? Like what made you interested in medicine specifically? Well, I think my mum always tells me that I was... I was one, I wanted to be a doctor since I was like really young and she always says I was always playing operation but I think when I um I first realized myself when I was around maybe I would say in around year 10 year 11 when I was really looking at certain careers that I'd want to go into and the subjects that I was really interested in so the ones I picked for my A level were biology chemistry some maths mm. and some economics so I really liked science but I also wanted to apply science to humans and how humans work but then I also liked the humanity subjects. Mm-hmm. I, I studied economics and I really liked the interaction between people. And I thought, what profession combines both of these and also gives you a career? And that's what drew me to medicine. Obviously, I did you know work experience mm-hmm. and you know I did loads of summer schools. But I think medicine was really the, the pathway for me to enter. Yeah. And I really like how you describe that because I feel within the education system Mm. it's kind of like you have these stem subjects and humanities and they're seen as very separate things but actually I think a lot of jobs and careers out there do combine the two I don't really know why we have this separation I suppose no yeah I'll definitely agree because even when I'm doing my course now which we can come on to later there is that integration of the humanities and medicine I think a lot of people describe medicine as an art form mm. where you have to really understand the humanities in order to understand people in a sense, because, mm. you know, there's obviously that science background to medicine, but there's also the aspect of communication, of empathy. And that's what's really unique about the profession. Yeah, that's a brilliant explanation. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, as a PhD student, I am pretty clueless about how someone would get <laughs> onto a medical doctorate. So would you be able to explain the process to me a little bit? You said you kind of started thinking about it in year 10, year 11. Yeah, and that's pretty much the time that most people actually have to think about, you know, wanting to become a doctor. It sounds crazy. You're thinking about dedicating your whole life to a profession at the age of 16. Mm. But yeah, that's pretty much how it works. So what happens with medicine in the UK, you initially, the traditional route is you do your A-levels. Those A-levels, have one of them has to include chemistry. The other can include biology. But chemistry is the most important one. And once you've done your A-levels, you also have your, you get your predicted grades, which you can use to apply to four different medical schools. Mm-hmm. But before applying to medical schools, you have to do an admission exam. So there's two different admission exams. The majority of medical schools in the UK follow something called the UCAT. Okay. And others such as like Cambridge and Oxford, they use something called the BMAT. There are differences between them and one really is more of like a verbal reasoning and the other's a bit more scientific. But yeah, once you've got those, once you've got those scores, you can then, especially with the UCAT, you get your score before the application cycle. So you can actually see if your score is competitive enough to apply to certain medical schools. And some mm-hmm. medical schools really use the UCAT. So some would say, if you get below this, we won't accept you for an interview. 
but others are if you get above this then you know you're guaranteed an interview okay. so that can have its disadvantages and benefits um, because you know you are looking at someone's admission exam but because there's so many applicants it's something that they would use to differentiate people and once you've done that admission exam and you've got your score and you've applied to your medical schools that's when you can then be invited to an interview so you've done you've got your grades now you've done your admission exams now you have the interview stage and the interview stage is another challenge in itself because the way most medical schools operate is you have something called multiple mini interviews. Okay. So let's say um, I have seven stations and each station will focus on a different aspect of medicine. The first station would look at a role play. So you'd have a patient and you'd be mm-hmm. expected to have a conversation with them. Then the next one would be asking you why medicine. And then another one would be asking you to complete like a numerical reasoning test. So it's very varied, but the aim of it really is to show that, well, you have these separate interviews and if you do well individually, you have a chance of getting in, that each interview in itself is scored on its own right. So there's that aspect to it. So that's what, mm-hmm. you know, the benefit of it really is. Once you've done the MMI, which is at most universities, you then get an email saying whether you've got an offer or if you've been rejected or if they've transferred you to another course. Okay. And yeah, that's when that's when you'd usually get in. And I'm fortunate to say that I got my offer and I'm at Bristol. So yeah, it worked out for me. Oh, wow. I didn't realise it was so complicated. It sounds like so many different stages to it. Mm. I hadn't really considered. So just to recap quickly. So, you know, you're age 16. You've got to do some tests to get in to get some scores in the first place. Then you apply to universities and they kind of tell you whether you might get an interview or not. Yeah. Then you go into these like mini interviews and there'll be several rounds of that. Mm. And then after that, that's when you get your offer Mm, yeah and there are ways that you can bypass that system in a sense so a lot of medical schools I think realize that one you know there's not enough access for students who may be of different backgrounds because of the multiple barriers so there are cases where for example in my case I actually went on a summer school in Bristol what's called Insight into Bristol and what you would do there you complete the summer school you get residential so you're you're really immersed in the city but then on completion of that program you would actually get a guaranteed interview, meaning that you actually only really need to make sure that your grades are sorted mm-hmm. because you're going to get the interview. You only just need to make sure that you're meet, meeting the grade requirements. So your UCAT is kind of not really looked at. And that's in a sense to help people that, you know, are not really traditional students at Bristol in terms of race and gender. So that's an option for a lot of people. And there are some people who don't even come from an A-level background. I mean, there's people in my degree now that are around you know, in their mid thirties and they probably did something like an access course. Okay. So there are different there are different ways to get into medicine. But, you know, generally to get into medicine is quite competitive and it is quite tough. But if you do fall under certain criteria, it can mean that, you know, you can get that guaranteed interview and that can give you that sense of insurance. But, you know, you still have to get the grades anyway. So it's it's still as rigorous. Mm-hmm. And those grade requirements are quite, you know, they are high. They're you know, minimum of three A's. Yeah. That's a lot. But it's nice to hear there. there's a bit of flexibility. There are alternative ways. It doesn't just have to be one way. 100%. So I know you've touched on it a little bit, but can you explain a bit more about what your personal experience of this journey has been like? Yeah, so I would say it's definitely been up and down. So I think my journey really started in my secondary school. So I went to a secondary school that was different to my sixth form. And, you know, I did I performed really well in GCSEs and I was really over the moon. But then I realised that in terms of 
getting into medicine, this actually wasn't the best school for me okay. in terms of, um, you know, the A-levels and the support they give you. So I actually applied to a school that's pretty famous nowadays for getting students into Oxbridge. I applied to Brampton Manor Academy sixth form mm-hmm. and they gave me a place and I was really excited. And instantly I knew that there were, was already a pathway in place for me to get into medicine. And that was really happy. That was really good for me. But you know, I did my year 12 exams and I didn't do as well in them as I thought I'd do. So I didn't score to the, you know, the average that a medical student would be getting. That was in my year 12 exams when I first arrived there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that didn't go to plan. And that actually did have a slight impact on whether, you know, the school would necessarily, you know, not support me with the application, mainly because, you know, they were quite worried that maybe I don't have the right grades. And mm-hmm. at that same time in the summer, I did my UCAT exam and I didn't also perform well in that. So there were there were a lot of doubts over whether I could really um, get in. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I took things into my own hands, really. I said, I'm going to go on the inside to Bristol Summer School. I also looked at other medical schools. So I, I used my UCAT score as a strategic point to see mm-hmm. which medical schools would I would have a chance at and which I wouldn't. So I you know went through the list of medical schools quite methodically. And I also did the BMAT exam, which is an, another exam that opens your options to Cambridge, you know, Leeds. I ambitiously ap- applied to Cambridge because, you know, a lot of my peers were also applying, but I just thought, you know, might as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, here's me now, not the best AS grades, but, you know, I've had, I I do have the insurance of a guaranteed interview at Bristol. And I had a lot of self-belief that, you know, once I get to that interview stage, I know that I can show them that I want to do medicine. My portfolio, in a sense, may not be the best, but I knew deep down that I could actually get into medicine and perform in that interview. So I think I had a lot of self-belief throughout the whole application Mm -hmm. process. I think most people would tend to kind of be like, well, you know, I may not have a chance here, so I'm not going to apply. But I thought that, well, what's the worst in applying? That if I apply, I get rejected. If I don't, if I don't get rejected, I have an interview at least. And that's where I can really shine. Yeah. So lo and behold, I actually got an interview at Leeds as well, which I didn't expect. Mm -hmm. But I also got that interview at Bristol. Both interviews went really well. Bristol ended up giving me an offer. Leeds, not the same. But yeah, it's been it's been a very topsy turvy journey. But <laughs> I'm glad that I'm at Bristol, and you know, I've really, really, I'm really enjoying the course. And it's kind of a, I kind of look back at the old me and say, well done for persevering, because mm. you know it's put me in this position that I am in now, and I'm really, really enjoying it. I'm getting kind of two key messages from that. One, as you said, self belief and perseverance. You know, yeah. you are your own biggest advocate. And just because other people might be telling you no doesn't mean that you can't do it. Like, you've got to throw yourself out there a little bit, which is really difficult. But like you said, what's the worst that can happen? And definitely second. And and this really resonates with me because Mm. I didn't get fantastic A-levels either. Mm. And I know a medical doctorate is different from a PhD. But I think it's important because I remember at the time very much the message I was given was that A-levels will make or break you Mm. and of course it's definitely important to give it your all get those high grades but I'd also reiterate that it isn't the end of the world if it isn't exactly what you're expecting you know life happens things happen you can still get onto doctorates even if your GCSEs or A-levels weren't as perfect as you first hoped. Yeah I think that message needs to really be echoed obviously work hard in in your A-levels but if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out I think from there you have to really you know reassess your options but still have that confidence that you can get to where you envision envision yourself getting to so yeah that's what I would you know say in that regard 
Yeah, 100%. So I know that you're a really big advocate for the importance of mentorship and wedding participation. Could you tell me a bit more about some of the initiatives you've been working on alongside your degree? Yeah, of course. So obviously, I've come from a very unique position in the sense that, you know, I didn't have the best AS grades, but I did perform well at A-levels. And I also got into medical school through like widening participation. So I've always felt that it's best that I, you know, give back and give provide value because of the position that I'm in. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of prospective medical students that are like me, you know, Black, South London, and they don't really think that they can actually get into, into medicine. And I think that really starts from them not having an awareness of the you know, that pathway that I mentioned earlier, that they're not really sure of, you know, how to get there, that they may actually have possessed the talent to get into medicine, but because, you know, maybe teachers or there's other barriers in place, they actually avoid going down that path. So, yeah, Mm. I've been working with a couple of organisations. I think from my university standpoint, particularly, I I work with an organisation called the BME Medics, so Black and Minority Ethnic Medics. And what we do is we provide workshops around Bristol where, we say that medicine is an option for you. And we simply, you know, break down the medicine pathway as well as provide resources, provide free resources to students that are interested in. I'm also working with the Black Excellence Network, which is another Mm -hmm. organisation where you are matched up with a mentee and through that you provide, you know, personal statement reviewing, A-level help, um, interview help, admission prep help. And it's all free and it's all voluntary because it's really important that, you know, we are uplifting the next generation. And in a career in medicine where, you know, I walked into my lecture theatre and I was only a handful of a black student there. There was there's not a lot of us in medicine and there are statistics to prove that. So, you know, it's really important that those who are in those positions can give back to students so that we know we, we make sure that there is diversity in medicine. And that's something that I've also done with the Black Medic Plexus, Mm -hmm. where we work with other medical students within the UK who are black and provide that network to show that, you know, there is support here, that, you know, we are we are together. And I think that's really important. So a lot of the work I do has been based on um, making sure that there is representation within, you know, medicine. Mm-hmm. But I also do other things alongside that, you know, helping my university with other programs, with small group teaching. So, you know, I, I do quite a bit <laughs> alongside my degree. Yeah. But I think it's what keep it's what keeps me productive and what keeps me you know, motivated to keep on persevering in my degree, because I know that, you know, my degree is the one that holds precedence over all those other stuff. So I really need to do well in my degree, so I can continue all the other stuff I'm doing. Yeah, and that's so brilliant to hear. I think it's fantastic that we have people like you who are, you know, taking on these extra roles, and making sure you demystify the process and encourage Mm. other younger black students to pursue these careers, because we can get there you know we are here yeah I'll definitely agree with that I think you know we are here we are here to to take over in a sense um you know to try and you know persevere and be a strong community because there, mm-hmm. there hasn't there's not been a lot of us I think I saw a statistic the other day that I think in around 1950s there was three percent of the men in medicine were black and that's actually decreased to 2.9 percent so it's, really? it's yeah so it's quite it's quite strange in a sense why that's happening but you know by providing widening participation, by providing mentorship, we can start to increase the amount of people that come into medicine. Pushing back against the statistics. Literally. Can you tell me a little bit more specifically about the Black Medic Plexus? Because I believe you were a founding member. So I wasn't a founding member, but I'm part of the first team, essentially. So shout out the founder. The founder is Sharon. Sharon is actually a medical student in Birmingham. And we actually met 
over summer because I did like a webinar with some of my friends from Brampton who are all medical students and it was called Transitioning into Medicine and it was a free event for students that were you know applying to medicine or wanting to know what medical school is like and Sharon and I actually met after that webinar and she was really interested in getting in speaking to black men within medicine because she had an idea of the Black Medic Plexus Mm -hmm. which is essentially um, a network that for black medical students in the UK whereby you know we share resources we you know have a newsletter that I produce that we give out you know daily recommendations we have an Instagram page where you know we show insights into life at medical school we also provide you know educational work in a sense that we'll have like case studies for medical students to look at we just generally provide a lot of value for our members and you know we are looking to formulate group chats where we'll have medical students from across the UK who are all black who identify as black just really working together and having that community because you know Sharon and I both and and the rest of our our team as well all believe that when we got into medical school it was amazing but there wasn't a lot of people like us like I said I only saw like a handful of black Mm. students so we thought that you know we we need to make a network because a lot of other students have these networks they have you know access to parents who were doctors and that kind of sets things up for them but it's not really the same for black medical students because you know mm-hmm. there's a look there's a lot of black doctors but in order to get them is quite in order to get outreach to them is quite difficult so by creating that network where we have doctors we have medical students it means that a lot of these students are enriched and adding value and really just being able to um, take hold of their careers in a sense so that's really why you know it was founded and it's some that's that's an insight into some of the goals that we seek to achieve Brilliant. We'll make sure that in the episode description, we include links to all these different initiatives. So for anyone listening, if you want to have a look and maybe join, head there. Yeah, definitely. We're taking on new members. We'd love to have you. Great. Now, I know you've still got a few years ahead of you, but where do you want to go with this degree? Do you think you want to stay in medicine, work outside of it? I think that's a really good question. And, you know, I'm I'm still in my second year, so I'm still experiencing the different aspects to medicine. But I think from from the jump, I've always said that I've always wanted to do things outside of medicine, mm-hmm. whether that be, you know, continuing on the mentorship or in a business capacity. I've always found myself as someone that wants to do different things. So I do want to definitely be in medicine because, you know, I've applied to this degree and I really want to make sure that I'm impacting the patients that I treat. I've also wanted to, you know, be able to do things outside of medicine, you know, mentorship, maybe develop my own business one day, mm-hmm. just to do do things that are, make me a dynamic individual. And I think medicine does allow for that with some specialties. So general practice is one that I've had my eyes on. Um, a lot of people <laughs> say GP is boring, but I've met some GPs and they will disagree. And I think <laughs> I've had an insight into it and it can be quite exciting. So, you know, I'm, I'm still, you know, thinking about that. But I would definitely say that I see myself working both in medicine and outside of medicine in the future. Yeah, I think that's great. Right. And just to kind of round up this episode, what is one piece of advice you would give to other black people considering pursuing a medical doctorate? Oh, it'd be hard to give one, I think. <laughs> one, definitely have the, the self-belief, have the confidence. But if you are lacking that, reach out to people that have been in that position. I think mentorship is a key element in opening people's eyes to, to professions that they would have never thought of. I think when you see someone that's like you from the same area as you, maybe talks like you, dresses like you, and they're in that medicine and they're in that profession, you are ultimately going to be drawn towards it. And that's something that helped with me, you know, seeing a doctor that was black 
at an event that I went to in my school really helped me to believe that, you know what, I can actually be in that position. Mm. So, you know, having that self-belief, but if you do like that, try to reach out to different people within their fields because, you know, in medicine especially, we're always happy to speak to people that are interested. I think if you have a genuine interest and a genuine curiosity, you know, they're always here to help. So really, I think that's the most important thing. Have that self-belief and try to reach out to different people who are in medicine so that you, you know, you get a realistic interpretation of what it's like and, you know, you're, you're able to essentially flourish. Amazing. Well, that's all the questions I had for you. Thank you so, so much for joining me today. Uh, this has been fantastic and so eye-opening for me. No worries. I've enjoyed it too. Some really good questions as well. As usual, I'm keen to hear what everyone at home thinks. How did you find the episode? Did you learn anything interesting? Personally, I had no clue about how someone would go about pursuing a medical doctorate. So Adewale has opened my eyes to a whole new field of work. This encouraged me to pursue mentorship myself. Feel free to tag us in any comments on social media using the hashtag BlackFutureDoctor and leave a review if you've enjoyed our interview. I'll see you all next week for a brand new episode.